Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. We probably get 25, 30 a day of positive you know, testimonials from people just arbitrarily sending this stuff to us. Hey, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each and every week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn why a low-budget ad might perform better than a TV-quality commercial, what you should focus on in the first five seconds of your video ad, and why you might need to drive your customers to a page to learn more rather than to a page to buy immediately. Today, I'm joined by Chad Kaufman from Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo Club ships amazing disposable cat litter boxes pre-filled with ultra-premium litter directly to your door each month for a low monthly cost. It was started in 2017 in Basel, Worcester, Ohio. Welcome, Chad. Thank you, Felix. Appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, excited to have you on. So I think I described the, the, the idea behind the product, but where did it come from? Where did this idea come from? Yeah, you did actually an excellent job. So um, probably about two years ago, um, we've always been a big fan of cats. I actually don't own a cat. I'm severely allergic to them, but I've always loved cats and, and, and actually wish I could have one. Um, but we've always, we've always been fans. I have lots of friends that are, are big cat lovers. And we saw a need um, just watching some of my cat friends, what they go through and their you know, maintenance of their litter box on a monthly basis. And, um, my, my dad, who actually is the co-founder, uh, with me on this, um, recognized the opportunity and he came to me and he said, Chad, what if we did a, uh, a disposable litter box? And, um, I kind of shook my head and laughed and said, yeah, dad, right. I don't, I don't think that's probably very viable as, you know, litter needs to be changed on a, on a regular basis and uh, shipping costs, I thought, would be prohibitive. So um, anyhow, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've started many companies. And uh, so I just kind of chalked it off and put it in the back of my head and began to, to think about it more and more. And, um, and then I really started to dive into, um, you know, what types of litter are out there on the market? And could you actually do a disposable litter box and put enough litter in that box and send it to, you know, cat cats? Uh, cat owners at an economical um, price that could last for a whole month. And I honestly didn't think it would be possible. So we started out on this journey of doing uh, research and development and looking at various litters and testing and, and, um, and seeing if we could develop a, a, a box uh, that would actually uh, work. And so um, that's how we kind of came up with it and began our R&D journey. So, so you mentioned that you are an entrepreneur. You started other businesses in the past, and I'm sure that you've had plenty of ideas in the past and plenty of ideas at the same time. You started this business, and hearing you talk about it, there were some, you know, some factors that were already kind of uh, disadvantage that were giving disadvantages for starting a business like this. What made you choose to pursue this particular idea, other than uh, you know, compared to the other things that you could have pursued? Sure. So for one is it's a amazing large market. There's actually 40 million um, cat owners in the United States. And those are um, owners that have indoor cats. There's actually about 98 million indoor cats. And the, the cat litter business is a $3 billion a year uh, industry. And, um, you know, as you know, if you if you've ever had a cat or, or any animal, they pee and poop every single day. And so if you're going to have an indoor cat, you need to have a, a, a litter box. And so I thought that uh, there was probably a decent opportunity if we could develop a box that was viable and a litter that was viable, that there, this could be a pretty good subscription base, um, you know, with, with monthly reoccurring revenue. And so and being that it, the, the industry was so large, and there wasn't anybody in the industry doing anything like what we have. Um, we decided to to, per, to pursue it if, in fact, we could, you know, develop a viable product, which we've 
we've done a very good job of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously a very big market and you you were saying that there's no one out there that's doing exactly what you're doing, but there's certain lot of competition that could come in and and try to replicate this or there are obviously solutions that people are are using today currently. What did you see in the competitive landscape that made you say, hey, this is a place that we can come in and and you know take our you know piece of the pie? Sure. Yeah, good question. Um there's a there's a lot of different litters out on the market. You have everything from wheat to grass to corn to clay um, to walnut. I mean, to silica. The list kind of goes on and on. And there's a lot of different uh, suppliers slash manufacturers that, and a lot of different retailers that are retailing, you know, those manufacturers' products. Um, and there's there's a number of subscription litters on the market. Um, if you just go to Amazon as an example, you could pretty much subscribe to any litter that's available on Amazon. Um, We decided not to necessarily try to compete against the subscription litter services because anybody could essentially take their litter and turn it into a subscription. But our our hook is actually our box. And so, um, you know, there's not a disposable litter box on the market uh, anywhere that can last for uh, an entire month. And so where so much of our R&D uh, went was actually uh, into our box. And that was probably the single hardest uh, thing that we had to overcome on the R&D side um, was our box because it's a, a cardboard box. You know, some people will see it and say, oh my gosh, I would never, um, I would never uh, buy a litter box that was, was made of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, you would think that. And we have, a, you know, a number of people on, on our Facebook page and stuff that would say, oh, my cat would destroy that box in, in two days. They, they love to destroy cardboard. Well, you know, that's just not true. And, and the reason for that is because cats are very territorial and they're very dominant and their litter box is a part of that domain. So they're not going to destroy nor tear up their domain. It just doesn't happen. We actually have lots and lots and lots of customers, tens of thousands, and we haven't had a single report of a cat actually destroying a box because they don't—they won't do that. Um, secondly, our box is entirely coated uh, with an FDA-approved waterproof coating, and then in that we have a at the base of the box we have a sealed um, recycled plastic tray which is sealed into the box. So our box is designed for urine. Um, it's designed for cats that spray. And it will hold up for an entire 30 days without any issues whatsoever. And so um, that's the hook that I think becomes attractive to people that, wow, you're giving me a simple, convenient solution from having to go out there and do the monthly maintenance on my litter box. I mean, if you've ever owned a cat, cat owners are scooping the poop daily. They are at the end of the week, they're pretty much dumping all of it out. They're in many cases chiseling it out because the urine clumps and it turns into concrete at the bottom of the box. And there's just all of this stinky maintenance that goes along with um, uh, litter box maintenance. And so we've solved that. Now, the second component is the actual litter. And um, our litter uh, is made of silica gel. And um, silica is pretty well known on, on the market. It's actually um, uh, just a mineral from the earth. And, uh, it's a hundred percent non-toxic to animals as well as to, um, to humans. And, um, many people will say, Oh, silica gel, isn't that poisonous? Cause they're familiar with like the little silica gel packets that maybe you see in women's purses or anywhere where you're trying to take moisture out of the air. And they'll say, do not eat. Well, the issue isn't actually the silica gel. It's that you don't want to get that packet uh, itself into your digestive system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the silica gel itself is is actually just fine for your system. Um, so anyways, uh, we developed a silica gel. Um, however, um, we are quite different from the other silica gel uh, litters on the market. Um, we, we tried to do a, a few things. Cats um, want a natural product, and this is a, uh, is a mineral. And so um, we tried to keep it as natural as possible. Many of the silicas that are available on the market have uh, cobalt chloride, which is, which is a carcinogen. And that's actually what turns the litter colors so that people know when their cats urinated or the litter's used up. Um, we decided to not even mess with that. We wanted the, you know, carcinogens are not good for you. They're not good for, for animals. And so we want to have no part of that in our, in our litter. 
Um, we also, uh, it's dye free, uh, it's scent free and it's dust free. And all of that is our, our components that are attractive to humans for the quality of your air in your home and also um, to cats. And so because of that, um, our litter performs extremely well. Um, you actually can go an entire month with one cat um, with, with absolutely zero odor in your home. And you say that, and if you're a cat owner, you think that's impossible. But um, that's why we have people signing up daily in the droves because they just cannot believe that our product is actually no odor for an entire month. And that really has to do with the, with the design of our litter. Got it. So I think you're, I think what, what you're getting at here is, I think that one of the approaches that you've taken that I really like is that you recognize that there was already a lot of subscription litter, you know, businesses out there that were sending just the, I guess the, the, the litter itself. And most people when you see that and then discount their ability to compete and say, you know, there's already too much competition out here. Let me just you know, move on to something else. But you kind of peel back the layers and uncover a couple angles where you could come in and compete. And I think the biggest one, like you mentioned, was the, the box. Can you talk to us through the process, your thought process that goes into that when you see, because you have experience in starting business, when you see a, a marketplace, when you see there's already products out there, how do you uncover the angles where you could compete? Like how do you pull out these, I guess, hooks where you could come in and, and offer an alternative? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it starts with just looking at what problems do people have that aren't being solved out in the marketplace. And um, for us, it was it seemed very obvious that litter boxes, the maintenance on litter boxes are just a royal pain. And most people just don't want to deal with cleaning those out. And so we looked at it from that angle in terms of, OK, there's litter. Litter is becoming is um, becoming much more readily available on e-commerce. Um, litter typically is a heavy product. And so people don't want to go out to the store and have to, you know, put that into their grocery cart and lug it home and, and so on and so forth. So why not move the route that, you know, many categories are going today, which is e-commerce and have it delivered to your home. Well, we knew that if we didn't have anything that differentiated us other than our, you know, just litter, then we would be competing against every other litter company um, out there, including on e-commerce as well as traditional uh, retail. And so we knew that we had to have a complete all-in-one solution for cat owners if we were really going to make a splash uh, in this space. And so um, we really felt like the box was a major component that was being overlooked by litter companies. I mean, right now, what's available in retail is pretty much just an injection molded um, uh, plastic box. And uh, there's there's nothing fun about it. There's, um, you know, you you can have short sidewalls, which allows litter to get tracked out of the box easily. It's, uh, um, you know, it can it can spill. Um, a cat can throw it out of the box. You know, list goes on and on. Or you put a dome on it. And, and actually, cats really do not like domes. They don't like enclosed spaces. And so just like you don't like going into um, a porta potty per se, right? Because it has feces and urine in there in an enclosed space. It doesn't get flushed. It stinks. Well, the same way is true with a litter box. I don't mean to be too graphic here, but imagine the same thing is true for a cat to enter into a, a hooded litter box. And so, you know, having an open uh, space like we have that um, allows the cat to get into it uh, really is a uh, uh, makes for an effective product and really differentiates us between others in the marketplace. So lots of R&D involved before you're able to release this product. Can you talk to us about the, the research process and how you develop your solution? Yeah, sure. So interestingly, my background, one of the companies that I started was a plastics company. And so I know um, um, resins very well. I know injection molded, molding very well. And, and that's a company that I still have. And uh, we do a lot of business in that space. Um, so I, I didn't want to go that route. I also didn't want to ship a, a, a plastic box to people that would be a very expensive and be very uh, wasteful and clog up landfills. So I, I thought that I, I really wanted to come up with an environmentally uh, friendly solution. And cardboard is, is actually very environmentally friendly. It can A, be recycled. B, if it does go to the landfill, it does break down in the landfill. And it's a tree that you know goes back into its, its natural environment. Um, 
So I, I started with that premise of could we do a disposable, um, you know, re- 100% recycled cardboard box? Well, you're talking about, you know, for one cat, uh, or, or an average cat urinates about two and a half to four ounces um, per time it goes. Well, you start to add that up over a couple times per day over the course of 30 days. That ends up being a lot of liquid that's that's going into that box, and you think, okay, paper and liquid typically do not mix very well. So we spent a a lot of time on the R and D phase trying to work with different um, commercially available coatings that we could coat the cardboard with that would hold up to um, to the urine. And as it turns out. Um, if you know anything about cat urine, there's a lot of uh, ammonia in it. And it's it's actually almost like acid in many ways. It just seems to eat through everything. And so we couldn't find a good coating that would allow uh, or that would withstand um, 30 days worth of, of, of cat urine. Um, even though it was getting absorbed by our litter, it still would, you know, end up making its way to the bottom before it would get absorbed. And so, um, we probably tried for about six months to solve that equation and and failed miserably. And so I, at that point, I really thought that maybe what we were going after just wasn't a viable solution. And then I went back to my um, plastic knowledge and decided to do a very, very thin 100% recycled plastic tray that could be sealed into that box. And when we were when we actually came up with that, that obviously solved um, all of the issues. And then we worked pretty hard to develop a system that allowed that tray to be sealed into the cardboard. And um, that was, um, oh, that was probably about three to five months worth of R&D. And uh, we started out on a very manual process. And then once we um, proved out the the concept and proved out the business, we invested in manufacturing equipment that would allow us to scale and end up doing hundreds of thousands of boxes per month. And so we have um, those uh, manufacturing systems in place now. What about the the testing that that was involved once you were able to produce a, a version uh, of it that was ready to to be tested by, I guess the the end consumer, the the customer. Were you able to get it out and iterate on? Like how, how did that process go? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. We actually probably went through mm, probably nine or 10 different iterations. And so every time we tested each iteration, um, I actually ran just a simple Facebook ad in my area here in Ohio and put it out to uh, cat owners and said, hey, I'm looking to do some ongoing testing and I would provide you free litter and free boxes to test if you would provide me with feedback. And so I signed up um, 30 cat owners. Um, and so they received all of this free of charge. Their only catch was they needed to give me consistent feedback. And so I just did everything through online survey tools. And so we would make one iteration. We would, you know, I'd drive around and, and uh, deliver these boxes to people's houses. And then I would send survey tools out over the next you know, week or two or three weeks and I would get feedback. And then I would make another iteration and I just continued to repeat that. And I would make improvements based upon that feedback after each iteration until we got to a point where we felt like we had a really, really viable product that was overcoming all of the objections and input that we were receiving from those um, testing the product. And that included not just the box itself, but also, um, also the litter. We spent a lot of time developing uh, the litter as well, which has been custom developed um, by us. We are using, as I mentioned, silica gel, um, but there's a, a bunch of components to that that have been um, you know, custom developed by us. Yeah, I like how you try to basically just figure out what objections people have, what kind of problems that they have with the product, and then just kind of tackle each one one at a time. Were you able to how are you able to prioritize which objections or which issues you should try to tackle first? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it really first starts with the litter because you could have the best box in the entire world, but if the litter doesn't perform and last for a full 30 days, then the box is essentially useless. Um, so the, the box turns out to be the icing on the cake, but it's also the hook as to why people want to buy our product. And then they find out how good the, the litter actually is. So 
we made um, we we decided to first start with the litter, um, and we could always come back and make changes to the box. Um, and so um, we went through quite a few different iterations on the the litter as well until we we made sure that we were getting um, a full thirty days out of our litter for one for one cat, and that meant really no no odor whatsoever and minimal maintenance. I haven't talked a lot about the litter, but the litter itself um, is very important because as I just mentioned, the, if the litter fails, then essentially the, the box is, is meaningless. Um, silica gel is a very porous um, uh, material. And so it, it actually has tens of thousands of micropores. And so um, cat urine is actually 95% water and 5% urea. Urea is the, the, the odor-causing part, right? It's the part that stinks. It's that ammonia smell that just kind of makes your, your nose turn. And um, so when a cat urinates, it, gets, it hits these tens of thousands of micropores, which instantaneously absorb the urine. And what does water do naturally? It evaporates. And we know that water, you know, urine is made up of 95% water. And so that water actually evaporates and then the urea stays trapped in the micropores and actually can't escape. And that's why you, you get a full 30 days out of our litter with, with zero odor is because that odor is, is literally staying trapped in the micropores. Makes sense. So this manual process that you had for producing the box initially, you mentioned that you now automate a way to, 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 for production. How did you know that it was time to invest in scaling up the business? Yeah, so we, we launched October 1st, 2017, and um, we didn't really know what to expect. We, our, our marketing approach was we were going to buy some Facebook ads and we were going to put it up and see what happens. So I started with my own Facebook network and said, hey, I've got this new business manufacturing slash e-commerce business that we're launching. And for my cat friends out there, why don't you try our box? And um, I surprisingly got, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 of my friends to sign up and they loved it. And so um, we soon followed within a week or so we launched um, some Facebook ads and uh, didn't really know what to expect. Well, in the first in the first 20 days, we ended up signing up um, 1,400 customers, and um, we were like, "Wow!" I mean, the the response was outstanding, and we 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 were prepared in the sense that we had enough inventory, but we had about enough inventory for um, that and that and, and that being it, because all of our um, all of our litter is actually made in China, and so there's a a long lead time for it to be made because it is custom made and then for it to be on the waters 30 days on the water and get through customs and actually to our, our, um, our warehouse facility. And so because it's a subscription base, right? You, you, you have to be prepared for that. You can't just say, well, I can't ship you this month because I don't, I ran out of inventory. So we, we kind of then shut all the Facebook ads down and we're like, okay, we're not going to take any more, more customers. Um, cause we know we have a good product here and people love it and we need to make sure that we can service them for the next, you know, three months until our, our, our container comes in. So, um, from there we just continued to, you know, I hired a, a bunch of manual, uh, labor to assemble our boxes and, um, and then knew that if we were going to scale this manual labor was, was not going to be possible. I couldn't hire enough workers to do this, uh, to scale. And so, I began um, in December, um, began working on what type of manufacturing equipment um, we would need to do these boxes. Um, and the approach that we're take, we've taken to seal the tray into the boxes is very proprietary. And in fact, we've, we've patented that idea. We've, we've applied for utility patents and we had custom built and engineered from the ground up. Uh, machines to actually do that. And so um, um, we were, that was about a eight, it was supposed to be an 18 week build and it turned out to be about a 24 week build um, on that equipment. And so we've just gotten installed over the last month and it began to really begin scaling up our advertising um, to, to start to fill up that production time on our, uh, on our, on our manufacturing equipment. 
Yeah, that's amazing. So if my my math is right and the pricing was the same back then, you basically build like a twenty to thirty thousand dollar a month uh, business in that first twenty days. Can you give us an idea how much it's grown to since then? Yeah, I mean, we we continue to to just add every single month. We've really we've really blown up the last sixty days because of our manufacturing equipment. So I expect by October first of this year, we'll do two million dollars in revenue in our first twelve months. That's amazing. And the, this goes back to that very beginning of the finding out if this was viable or not by running those Facebook ads. And what were you doing? How, how did this happen in the first 20 days where you had such explosive growth right out the gate? Well, I think it, I think it was just because we had a unique product and we were really um, solving a problem that cat owners had or certainly a convenience factor that cat owners wanted. Um, I think we solved a problem and we provided a convenience. And um, and so when we ran the ads, um, our conversion rate was was pretty high. I mean, we had some times where we were converting ten percent of the of the traffic um, to sales, and um, we did a pretty good job of of monitoring it and looking at it and understanding like our messaging and what we needed to change and improving our funnel, our checkout funnel, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it really was surprising to us. We didn't honestly think that we would get as much traction as quickly as we did. And when we saw that, we really knew we had, we had something and we needed to further, um, invest in it. In fact, at the time it was just my dad and I, my partner in this, we've, we've done all of our businesses together over the years. And, um, we had put up all our own personal money to, to do this at that point. And we realized that you know we had because it's a three billion dollar industry there's real potential here to go very big and we've built manufacturing equipment to go really big and so we decided to go out and actually raise some capital and so we had um um we had some some business friends um that we we knew well and we brought them on and we ended up raising um a million dollars in cash at a six and a half million dollar valuation that's that's awesome. So, what did this talk talk to us more about the Facebook ad? Like, what did it look like? Describe it to us so that we can get an idea of like how, what a, the successful ad for you guys look like. Yeah. So at the time, I, I think the most successful ads are actually consumer testimonies. Um, it, you know, but when you're launching, you don't have any consumer testimonies because you haven't really sold a lot of product yet. So. Um, we actually hired a, um, a friend of a friend. Um, I have a friend whose name is Eric Carlson and he's a, a, a kind of a, a Facebook guru and he had a protege that was, um, had taken on some side business. And so I hired him to actually develop us, um, uh, some Facebook ads and it was kind of a, it was kind of a, um, it was a, it was a, it was a strange thing because, um, one of the guys that I, uh, I I hired and we gave a small equity position to, um, and is a good friend of mine, is now our our head creative director and is also doing all the uh, the website stuff for us. And um, so Nate is a, a professional designer, and um, he's done stuff uh, for Apple. And you know, you know what Apple ads look like? They're clean, they're crisp, they're colorful. And so that's kind of like his design and you see a lot of that reflected through our, through our website. And so this Facebook guy we brought on, he kind of took this approach where it was this mix of some cartoon stuff that we had done in the past, um, before we really had launched to, um, some PowerPoint stuff and threw in some music to it. And it really just kind of, um, it actually looked really, really bad. <laughs> And both Nate and I were just like, oh my gosh, we, we, we can't put this up. There's just no way we can put this up. It looks so bad. It's, it, it doesn't reflect our brand. And he said to us, he said, trust, trust me. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, there's an art to this and you need to make it look like it's kind of more consumer produced and stuff and, and something like somebody forwarded. So we were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna trust you, but we're only trust you for like a week because we just don't know that this reflects our brand. Well, apparently it worked, and he knew what he was doing because we got tons and tons of shares, and it went around. And so since then, we've polished things up. Our Facebook ads are now focused more on consumer testimonials. That I mean, we just get we probably get twenty five, thirty a day 
um, of positive, you know, testimonials from people just arbitrarily sending this stuff to us. And so we're focusing our ads now primarily on that. And we've reduced our, um, uh, we only do videos. Um, Facebook videos are way more effective than static um, photos. And Facebook will even tell you that. Um, so we only do videos and we've reduced our videos now from a one minute video to a 30 second video. Um, cause we were finding that, um, our consumers were pretty much watching the first 15 seconds of our video and then they were either leaving or they were clicking and coming to our website. So a minute wasn't doing us any favors. So we decided to focus on the first thir- only on 30 seconds and we ran we're running two different videos. The first video, the first 15 seconds is focusing more on that emotional appeal. So it's focusing on, you know, a human cuddling up to their cat. There's some nice music. They're in a, you know, cozy setting in their home. And then the second 15 seconds is talking about the litter box and our litter. And there you've got, you know, some text coming up talking about, you know, it's eco-friendly, biodegradable, lasts a full 30 days, odor, you know, odor free. Um, that type of stuff. And then the, the purpose is to drive people to our website. So we're not trying to tell them everything about our product, but we're trying to create some emotional appeal, catching their attention through cats, which we're targeting cat owners and they all love cats. So that, that grabs their attention. And then about 15 seconds on the product and then using the website to really get in and describe the product. And we're seeing you know, we think some pretty high or above average conversion uh, metrics from those that are coming to our website to those that are, are purchasing. Got it. So you are using videos today and you're also using testimonials. Are those testimonials also video based or are they just like, are they like text of uh, customer reviews? Yeah, they're text of customer reviews. So, we, you'll, you know, if you're, you're on your Facebook news feed, You'll you know be scrolling through and you'll come to our ad. At the top of the ad is the the header, and then we've got a small um, testimony from that's in print from a customer, and then underneath that is the is the video. Got it. And you mentioned that the very first ads that you guys are running they look bad to you. Can you describe a little bit more about this? Like, why do you think it was effective, even though to you it looked aesthetically didn't look look good? You know, the only thing I can, I guess the only thing I can say is that we live in a YouTube generation. So, you know, if you, if you think 20 years back, right, if you were going to watch a video, most people would think of video being anything that they see on TV. So there's this TV quality expectation, right? And then all of a sudden we get into YouTube and Facebook and, um, um, Instagram and Snapchat and people starting to produce their own videos and putting them up and they're and and so the the level of quality acceptance went way way down it went from you know consumers probably expecting TV grade quality because that's all they had if they watched the screen it was pretty much TV to now being you can catch videos everywhere and most of them are all self produced and so um, I was expecting more of that TV quality <laughs> video per se. Um, but this guy said, no, you need something that's more low budget. That is, um, yeah, it was just kind of a, 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 a low budget. I mean, you even see them in, in, in theaters now, right? Um, these low budget movies that do real, real well. And it's, it's, it's stuff that resonates with people. And so I would just say it was kind of a low budget, um, you know, artfully crappy video that made it look like it was a little bit self-produced and, and sort of like a, a, a user had used uh, or had produced it and was passing it around on social media. I see. Cause I think like that, that polish, that TV grade polish, people immediately have this reaction that it's a commercial. So they probably ignore it or don't want to share it. Who wants to share a commercial? But if it's something that looks like it's produced by an individual consumer, then it's much more, I guess, friendly, more inviting for people to, to actually give it a chance. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, this, so this, this approach, it, it obviously worked for you. Why not stick with this model? Why not stick with this, this idea of creating the, a, a, you know, a low-budget, essentially-looking video? Um, yeah, we, we probably could. And um, I think that you know, you, businesses go through phases, right? And so mm-hmm. um, you, know, you, you take, actually, I'll, I'll use Dollar Shave Club as a perfect example. And in fact, our, 
our our kitty poo club has been I've studied Dollar Shave Club till I'm, I've been blue mm-hmm. in the face. I've, I've literally read everything that's publicly available on Dollar Shave Club because they've had such a successful model. And if you take a look at their first video that went viral, that looked the way it did, and it was a fantastic video. And since then, they've evolved into probably you know a little bit more professional videos. And although we're in our early stages here. Um, you know, we're evolving into being a little bit more of a, a polished brand and we're getting a lot of traction now on social media. And so it was it was a great start, but it wasn't how I wanted to represent the brand or the company longer term. Got it. That makes sense. So you mentioned that you guys first started with one minute videos and you cut down to 30 seconds and you, you spoke about first lead with the emotional side of the uh, the pitch and then talk about the, the features and functionality of the product. So that other 30 seconds that was cut out, what, what did you cut out? Like, What are some things that you see other ads that are on Facebook or anywhere that people might, that entrepreneurs might be wasting their prospects time with? Yeah, I think I think a lot of companies spend too much time trying to tell anything and everything about their product. And consumers have a very, very short attention span, especially on social media. You've got to grab their attention in the first couple seconds, or they're just going to continue scrolling um, down specifically on Facebook, their news feed. And so, you know, seeing a cuddly cat that looks cute that will grab your attention for a few seconds. And then if there's something that's meaningful there or there's an attractive or interesting headline, it will cause them to watch a little bit more. Interestingly enough, and I may not get this this statistic exactly right, but I'll be in the ballpark. I believe it's around 78% of Facebook users um, scroll through their newsfeed with no audio capabilities mm-hmm. on. And so... Um, if you have a Facebook ad that is um, has a voiceover that somebody has to hear, um, you will lose out because most people don't have their sound on. And so it's very important on Facebook ads that you actually, if you have voiceover that has to be heard, that you have captions on so that people can read it. And I do this often. I sit on my couch and I could have my audio on, but I don't. And I'll read captions on ads that I watch. Um we decided not to go so much of the caption route, but to focus on very short, specific areas that are important to the to the you know potential customer, right? Like no odor, less cleaning, um, lasts a full thirty days, um, biodegradable. And it's like text on screen, or are you just showing them that that particular feature? Yeah, this is actually text on screen, and, and of course we have the background images, right? A video that's happening, mm-hmm. the cat walking into the box. And then we say, you know, no odor, less cleaning, that type of stuff that's popping up on the screen. But um, you want to keep that emotional appeal going while you're educating your audience. And you really need to do that in no more than 30 seconds. And some Facebook experts will even tell you as little as 15. Right. Makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier about how one of the biggest objections that you were getting from the market was that they would say they would never buy a litter box that's made out of cardboard. And obviously, once they got your product, they understood the value of it. But how did you convince them to try it out in the first place? How did you convince them to, hey, give this cardboard litter box a chance? Yeah. So we decided to offer a money back guarantee. So no risk um, trial of our product. Um, order it. And if you do not like it within the first two weeks, um, we would refund your money. And so we put that, you know, big and bold on our website and, um, and tried to, you know, make it pretty simple and easy for, um, users to come out and buy our product with, you know, no risk. Hmm. So you, you mentioned earlier too, that there's a 40 million cat owners out there, big, huge market. Is this market growing? Yeah, the market is growing. Um, there, there, there obviously is an older um, population that is aging, and cats are very popular amongst um, older people because they're um, low maintenance animals compared to mm-hmm. dogs and some other animals. Um, they're pretty compassionate. They're um, they're good companions. Um, they're a fun animal, and so um, you're you're starting to see uh, more and more people. 
that are moving um, away from dogs, actually, and into cats um, for those reasons, especially amongst the, the older generation. Well, what kind of advice do you have for someone that's interested in getting into the maybe specifically cat care or, or pet care market? Well, there's a, there's a lot of product out there. Um, I would say you, you need to study and understand cat behavior. I've done a, a lot of that and I've talked to a lot of my friends. Like I said, I would love to own a cat. I just, I actually did own a cat and I had to get mm. rid of the cat because my allergies were so bad. But yeah. I would say study cat behavior and find, find products um, that, um, that work well for cats. And you can, you can develop products based on understanding some of that cat behavior. For example, our box was totally understanding cat behavior. You could go to you could go to any pet store right now, and one of the things that you could get for cats is what's called a cat scratch pad. Well, guess what a cat scratch pad is made of? Cardboard. So you would think, right, naturally, well, I could never make a cat litter box out of cardboard because mm. they sell these things for cats to actually tear apart. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the first thing that would come to your mind if you knew and understood that. But if you knew and understood cat behavior, you would know they're territorial, they're dominant, and they will not destroy their domain. Well, we made a cat litter box that's made of cardboard that no cat destroys because we understand cat behavior. So whether it's for cats or whether it's for dogs or whether it's for any other type of pet, understanding the behavior of those animals and developing products that works with that animal's behavior, I think is essential developing a good product. I think that, that I think it's it's interesting that that you you go towards the actual end user of the products rather than talk about the person that be making that purchase. But it makes sense that we don't produce a product that that the cat or the the, the pet is going to be interested in. Then the, there's going to be no repeat customers, especially important in a subscription uh, based business like yours. Uh, so I want to talk a little about the website. So at kittypooclub.com, I, I like the design of this website because it kind of it's, it looks more like a a kind of long form sales letter approach rather than the typical e-commerce site. What, what was the thinking behind the, the design of the, the 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 store the website? Yeah, I get, I actually give all of the credit to um, Nate Dickin, who is um, our creative director. He was the genius behind the uh, the website, and um, um, like I said, he has a, a long history of professional development in this space, and um, he he understands consumers well. He understands behaviors. He understands design, and and I'm actually the old school. I, I came in with the old school mythology, which was you know have a bunch of links and have people click through to different mm -hmm. links. Well. That's not the de that's not the design that effective um, uh, web based companies are doing anymore. It's this scrolling um, and 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 just as you said, sort of that news feed because we're conditioned to Facebook or Instagram and we scroll. So you get your information by continuing to scroll down, and you notice at the top of our website we have very few links. It's you know join the club, so that's buy the product, and then if you need help and support or if you want to sign into your account, but that's it. Everything you're going to get is in one one ongoing scroll, and that's that's just the behavior that um, that you know, consumers are accustomed to now. And 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 a lot of your more modern sites, whether it be Apple to um, Amazon to Basecamp to Evernote, I mean, there's lots of companies out there now that are are using this type of of design. Mm -hmm. And um, and Nate was really the one that that encouraged us to go that route. Yeah, I, I like how as well that obviously there is the join the club uh, link on the top, but I would say the most prominent looking uh, clickable item on the page initially above the fold is the see how it works button. So why drive users or drive uh, visitors to uh, learn more rather than say, hey, buy this, uh, click on this page, go to the product page and check it out? Good question. I think probably because... Um we are a new product that doesn't exist out there right now. And so because of that, you have to educate the consumer. If you're just selling um, a water bottle, right, a standard water mm -hmm. bottle, you're not going to necessarily have to educate the consumer on what a water bottle is. You know, everybody knows what a water bottle is. So I either look at it and I like the design of it and I decide to purchase it or not. But you don't have to probably tell me a whole lot of features and benefits about the water bottle, other than the Q water bottle, 
what you did recently on your podcast and I listened to and I, I had, didn't know they're about their product I actually ordered one since your podcast because it's uh, that is a product that was like educating it collapses it's made of a special silicone material and so on and so forth um, but with our with our product um, you're you're you're, it's a disposable litter box that lasts for a month. I mean, that's not something that's available on the marketplace at this point. Uh, so what what uh, what about applications? What kind of apps do you use to help run the business and, and run the store? Yeah, so we, we use um, quite a bit. Um, first off, Shopify. We are huge fans of, of Shopify. Um, we... We also love a lot of the plugin apps that work effectively uh, with Shopify. To start, we use Recharge, um, which is a subscription um, reoccurring revenue um, app that that works with uh, with Shopify. And uh, we couldn't do it without them. We've tried a number of other um, subscription um, payment platforms, and uh, Recharge is by far the best. Um, we use uh, Clubio for uh, all of our email marketing, and this has been absolutely essential for us. Um, behind the scenes, it allows us to create dynamic um, email flows that are triggered um, off to both Shopify as well as Recharge. So we like that it functions with um, some of our other apps that we have integrated um, behind the scenes into the site. <clears throat> um, we also use Smile.io. Uh, and we actually just launched this uh, in the last uh, 30 days, and that's the Kitty Coins uh, Rewards. And so this rewards uh, users um, or our, our current members uh, for recommending us to other cat owners and signing up. And so the, the new people that sign up, they get rewarded, um, they get discounts, and then the uh, customer or member that um, – that, uh, recommended them also gets rewarded. And so Smile has a very effective uh, product for allowing that to seamlessly happen behind the scenes. Uh, and that that has paid for itself uh, uh, many times over in the first month for us. Um, we use Privy. Um, that's the, the, the coupon that pops up when you first come on to mm -hmm. our site that gives uh, people you know, a percentage off of their first order. That's been very effective for us in capturing emails. And so, you know, there's a number of people that will come in, they'll give us their email address and they won't sign up. And then we have a whole um, email campaign that then gets launched that goes out and uh, targets those people that didn't sign up um, because now we have their email address and we captured that through the Privy platform. So that's been effective for us. We also use uh, FOMO. And you'll see many um, Shopify sites out there using that today that pops up saying, you know, such and such. Felix just bought, you know, um, two boxes, um, you know, an hour ago. And he's in Toronto, Canada. Um, that just kind of brings credibility that, oh, lots of other people are, mm -hmm. are doing this too. And so the more people you get buying on a regular basis, the more these things start flowing. So we found that to be uh, very effective. And then um, we use uh, uh, Yapo um for showing reviews um on our product pages and that's been extremely effective so i would say those are probably the top apps that we use and have completely integrated into our site very cool talk to us a little bit about your your day-to-day -day, because you mentioned earlier that you you had an existing business you still have it and now you also run this how do you structure your data to get the most done possible um yeah it's hard it's like any entrepreneur right you're doing long days, early mornings, late nights. Um, it's always, it's especially challenging for me because I'm running um, multiple businesses. And I think the, the key is to get really, really good um, people um, involved. And it's not, you know, especially in this, this day and age right now, when the economy is really, really booming, businesses are really competing hard uh, for talent. And so, you know, how do you get the right talent. That's the million dollar question that everybody's trying to solve to go out there and get the best, the best people. And, um, for us, I think it really has a lot to do with, with, um, leadership and, and vision and, um, and do you create a, an enjoyable place to work and do you have good coworkers that people want to work with? And so we think we've, we have all of those components and pieces in place that we're being able to attract really good people. And so 
um, I, I, you know, I really give it over to our team um, that's that's making this thing grow and go. And although I'm intimately involved, it seems like at this point at every level, um, you know, I couldn't be doing it all if I didn't have a, a good staff. And so we have probably. Oh, on the Kitty Poo Club side right now, we have about 10 employees. We had more than that um, when we were doing a lot more of um, building the boxes by hand. Um, but now that we have manufacturing uh, equipment in place, we've, we've had, um, we have less people. And that was actually a, a really cool because it, we just had some natural attrition um, of people falling off as our equipment was coming in. So, um, we actually didn't have to let anybody go. That just uh, happened on its own. People had some op- other opportunities. And so that's been a, a really good fit for us. So we've got kind of the right labor labor force in place right now for the number of customers we have. And we'll increase that as, as we continue to grow. Got it. So kittypooclub.com is the website. So you got the funding, you invested in manufacturing. What's the next milestone that you want to reach as a business? Yeah, we want to continue to grow that monthly subscriber base. And then I, I think that we're probably will be, um, we're going to be moving into some other types of litters. We're doing a lot of different, uh, we're doing a lot of R&D right now on other types of litters that we believe are going to um, work very effectively uh, with our box. And so uh, we expect to grow a base of that because, you know, silica doesn't work for every single cat out there. And so we believe that we can ultimately offer a product that will work for every cat in every situation. And so that's the, that's the next phase. And then I think we'll continue to be growing into other items that, um, that, that cats like that we include in with our box. We're doing some of those right now. We're including, um, we have the opportunity for people to purchase, uh, anti-tracking litter mats so that when that you'll see that on our website right there in front of the box, uh, when a cat's cat comes out of the box, mm-hmm. if they have any litter attached to their paws, it'll be caught in that mat. We offer custom scoops that have been developed specifically for our litter. And so I see us getting into other ancillary products that are, you know, good fit for us that we can continue to sell to our customer base and, and, um, and grow from there. Awesome. Exciting times ahead. Again, kittypooclub.com is a website. Thank you so much for your time, Chad. Thank you, Felix, for having me on your show. Greatly appreciate it. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. For a lot of folks, you can you know create a plastic prototype, um, I'd say for you know under a couple hundred dollars. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.